Good evening. I always appreciate the chance when Pastor gives the opportunity to, uh, to speak here. It's always a, a blessing, a little bit of an intimidating blessing as uh, we get to, uh, to search out God's Word and want to be faithful to it, uh, but a blessing nonetheless. Uh, if you turn in your Bibles, turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 7. As we start here tonight, Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24, a familiar passage. It'll be kind of the, the background of what we're going to talk about here this evening. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, at the end of Christ's Sermon on the Mount, he says, Therefore, whoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. I have a question for you tonight. What's your foundation? What's your foundation? All of us have some truths that we hold to in life that we are so confident in that we're willing to build the rest of our lives on them. And what's your foundation? We see here Christ calling us uh, to use his words, his teachings as our foundation. Specifically, here he's talking about the Sermon on the Mount, but I think it's safe to apply it to all of his teachings throughout all of God's word. Are we building our lives on his word, on his teachings, on what he has to say? Um, Just like a building needs a strong foundation, I'm thankful this church has a strong foundation. I can stand here without fear tonight uh, because of all the cement and rebar and everything underneath me. Uh, Our life needs to have a strong foundation as well, and uh, we need to find that uh, in God's Word, which which brings what I'm going to talk about here. I recently heard a story. I'm going to put this up on the board because we're going to have some quotes tonight, and I want to make sure you catch what they say. I recently heard this story um, of a New York Times reporter named, uh, what was his name, Nicholas Kristoff. And he did a series of articles over the last year, a year and a half or so, where he's interviewed three different people that he viewed, anyways, as Christian leaders. Um, he interviewed um, a Catholic cardinal, most recently was his, his third uh, interview that he did, a recently appointed Catholic cardinal. He interviewed a former president, President Jimmy Carter, and he interviewed an evangelical pastor. And uh, he asked all these three men what seems to be a rather basic question, the question right here on the wall behind me, am I a Christian? He said to them, do you think that I count as a Christian? And uh, there's a catch, though. He gave them a little bit of information about himself. And basically, to summarize the information, he said, I believe that Jesus came, and I believe he was a great teacher, a great guy. I think the Sermon on the Mount is good stuff, but... I don't really believe all that miracle, supernatural stuff. And I don't really see how I can believe in the virgin birth. And I don't understand how I could believe in the resurrection. So these three caveats here, am I a Christian? Do I count as a Christian or not? And as I heard these three men's responses, uh, I thought it showed a lot about their foundations, what they were building on, what they were counting on in their beliefs, to arrive at the answers they came to. And uh, I think as we study through them, they'll be, uh, they'll be a help for us uh, to see the value of having the right kind of foundation. So we're going to work our way through the three answers and then kind of examine the three answers biblically, and uh, hopefully it'll be a blessing. First answer we're going to look at here, though. Oh, here's just a summary of the question here, a summary from the New York Times reporter who doesn't believe in Christ's deity, his miracles, or his resurrection. 
All right, the first answer we will look at comes from this newly appointed Catholic cardinal. Um, and uh, the Catholic cardinal, not everything he said was horrible, actually. He said something that was great. The man said, uh, I don't know if I believe in Christ's miracles. And I'm going to read this quote here directly. The cardinal replied, quote, it's not a magic show. All of the miracles were not isolated or simply altruistic events. They were actually pointing, pointing toward who God is and who this carpenter of Nazareth really was. Now, there's not very many things I can agree with the Catholic cardinal on, but that I can, right? These, these miracles were signs pointing to who Jesus truly was. And he went on to explain that these answers he was giving uh, were based on um, Catholic teachings, Catholic tradition, and he said, quote, Catholic tradition didn't fall out of the air and decide something capricious. It's based on all sorts of lived experience of people trying to follow Jesus closely. I read that quote because it shows what his foundation was, right? His foundation is this Catholic teaching from other people's experiences and how they feel about things, okay? Um, so here's his answer about whether or not this New York Times reporter is saved. He says, I would think that if you haven't completely closed the door on the possibility that God has more to say to you, then I think you're in the tent, okay? I think we can summarize it by saying, as long as you haven't totally ruled out that Jesus could be who he said he was, then you still have a chance of being saved, okay? Now, I heard some of you chuckle. Obviously, as we look at God's word, I mean, we could chuckle, we could cry, right? Either one. Um, such a horribly wrong answer. He gave hope where there was absolutely no hope for this man apart from Christ. And yet, because he found his confidence in tradition and in this shared experience he referred to, he thought he could confidently tell this man, well, you still have hope as long as you haven't ruled out that God has more to say to you. Okay, um, so first answer there uh, from the from the uh, the Catholic cardinal. All right, the second answer. It's kind of interesting to hear about this one. It was from President Jimmy Carter. Maybe you all know this. It was news to me. Apparently, he's very actively in involved in his church. I'm not sure where his church is, but I guess every week he teaches a Sunday school class, and people come and get their picture taken with the former president who's teaching their Sunday school class. And um, so, anyways, this New York Times reporter goes to President Carter, gives him the same information. Am I a Christian? President Carter's response. I do not feel qualified to make the judgment, make a judgment. I'm inclined to give him, or others, the benefit of any doubt. In other words, I have no idea, but I'm going to assume yes, okay? And uh, I think we can agree um, that's a really dangerous assumption to make, right? If you're assuming that people are generally saved, then they're not going to hear the gospel from you because you don't think they need it, okay? And as I thought about his answer, it seemed that he must have been driven by his desire to make people feel good. I understand that presenting the, the, the message of, no, you're not saved, is a difficult and awkward moment. I still remember as a teenager, I was inviting my boss, Mr. Moe. He never wanted me to call him Mr. Moe. He wanted me to call him David, but I was a 15-year-old kid. I called him Mr. Moe. And I said, Mr. Moe, I'd like for you to come to our church. We've got this special event coming up. And he looked at me and he said, Chris, are you saying I need to be saved? <laughs> really put me on the spot. It was terribly awkward. I said, well, yeah, we all do. And sadly, he, he never came to church. Um, but nonetheless, it was an awkward moment. It, it puts you on the spot. And I understand that feeling. But nonetheless, if he truly loves these people he's giving the answer to, He's going to give them their need, the gospel. 
Okay? The third person that was asked was this evangelical pastor. I don't know very much about him, um, but nonetheless, I thought his answer was helpful. Okay? He said, I wouldn't draw any conclusion about an individual without talking to him or her at length. But, in general, if you don't accept the resurrection or other foundational beliefs, I'd say you are on the outside of the boundary. Now, his words aren't quite as clear as I might have wished there at the end. He said, outside of the boundary, but I think what he's trying to get across is no. You're not saved. If you don't believe these core tenets of the Christian faith, that Jesus is who he said he is, that he came how he said he came, that he rose again the way he said he rose again, then, then no. You can't be saved without belief in these, these important truths. And again, his foundation seems to be the Bible, what the Bible had to say. Um, so these are our three options here tonight. As, as I thought about different worldviews, and I'm sure if we worked hard, we could find more, okay? But these are three very different foundations that I want to take a few minutes to examine tonight, right? We've got the foundation of, of tradition and experience. We have the tradition of, or excuse me, the foundation of, of um, feelings, emotions, making people feel good. And lastly, the foundation of God's word. All right, so for the sake of time, I'm going to try to go through these rather quickly. We've got a few passages to turn to about each one, um, but I think if we can get through it, it will be helpful. So the first one I want to look at here is this idea of tradition or, or shared experience, okay? This was the Cardinal's foundation that he built on. And uh, you've got to admit, at first it sounds like a good one, right? I mean, if lots of people, for lots of time, have all believed this thing, then I'm safe in believing with them. Okay? It's kind of this idea of it's always safe to follow the crowd, right? I, I should be safe. If everyone else is believing it, 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 must be, it must be so. Or even if it's something that I think I've experienced, something about the way I feel, then it must be true. Or someone else told me their experience, it must be true, it must be right, it must be a foundation that I can build on. So let's look at just a couple verses about this idea of building on, on men's traditions or on experience, all right? Uh, some of these are very familiar verses. Colossians 2. We'll start at Colossians 2. Verses 6 through 9. Where it says, As ye have, rece as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, according therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through uh, philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We see a clear message here. Put your confidence in him, in Christ. And there specifically, I thought it was interesting, we've got our exact word right there, right? Traditions of men. Don't put your trust in traditions of men. They may sometimes be right, but they're not as sure a foundation as what we have in Christ. Put our confidence in him. Um, another one in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, um, starting in verse 11. Talking about what Christ gave to the, what God gave to the church. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For, this is why we have all these, these people in the church, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and, and the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man is the mature uh, of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth... So that we no longer, right? That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait 
to deceive. We have God's word, and we have these who will teach us God's word, so we don't need to be carried away by these, these traditions, these false teachings we hear. Um, and, and we understand, even apart from the truths of Scripture, we understand that, that uh, tradition is a dangerous thing to base our lives on. You heard the story of the woman who got married. It's, it's kind of a common story. Maybe you've heard it. And she cut the ends off her, she bought one of those loaves of ham, okay? And she cut the ends off the loaves of ham before putting it in her, in her pan, before putting it in the oven to heat it up. And her husband said, dear, why do you cut off the, the ends of the ham? I'm sure it tastes good, but why do you do that? She said, well, that's what my mom did. Why'd your mom do it? Well, I don't know. I'll call her. So she called, mom, why do you cut the ends off the ham? And of course, mom's answer was, I don't know. Okay, well, yeah, I was going to go back one more generation, but Don beat me to it, right? She calls her mother yet and, and find, come to find out, yeah, originally the pan they had was too short, so they had to cut the ham off. That, that tradition that they were, they were uh, building on had no real value for today, okay? Um, so uh, tradition clearly not a, a, uh, a reliable foundation. It can be wrong. It can be wrong. Um, it's not, not reliable, um, so this, this foundation the cardinal has in this story, um, sadly, was giving this man hope when, apart from Christ, he had none. Uh, the second foundation we saw, I was trying to figure out how to summarize the president's foundation, right? And this is what I came up with, feelings. It seems like, to me, he wanted to make the, the reporter feel good about himself, make the readers feel good about themselves. He didn't want to tell anyone, no, you're not a Christian. He didn't want to really put him on the spot. He wanted to make him feel good, okay? Um, and uh, so I came up with this idea of feelings. And uh, again, just a couple of references here on, on feelings. Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25 are uh, so very similar that for the sake of time, I'm going to read one. You're welcome to read both another time. But Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, it says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's a way that feels good that feels right, and we should follow that way, we think. But here, Solomon, the wisest man here, tells us that way leads to death. And sadly, in this case, it leads to eternal death, right? Following your feelings instead of the gospel of Christ, it's, it's going to lead you to death. And we have that same sentiment uh, in, in Proverbs 16.25 as well. Uh, but for the sake of time, I want to jump forward to Jeremiah. This, this cracks me up. I, I know it's been around for a long time, but as a father of three little girls, I see all these cartoons where the princess usually is encouraged to follow her heart, right? And, uh, and her heart will never lead her astray, and everything will be wonderful. Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitful, liar, above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Trusting in our heart? Trusting in our feelings, you're trusting someone who is a liar and wicked, your heart, okay? Um, again, not a reliable foundation whatsoever. I think we, we can agree. And again, just in our lives, we understand this. How many times have we felt a certain way? Like someone has done something and it, it makes you feel a certain way towards them, okay? For the sake of my example, I think it's a negative way. Like I can't believe that person did that to me. And then time passes and you get a chance to actually talk to the person about it, and you find out, oh, I totally misread that situation. My feelings were way off. They had no ill intent whatsoever. I was wrong. My feelings led me astray. Feelings are not a reliable foundation 
whatsoever. Now, obviously the good news is, praise God, we do have a reliable foundation. We don't just have the two negative foundations. We do have a reliable foundation. Um, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, as we look here at the foundation of the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I'd have to say here, the reason according, at least the first reason we see here in 2 Timothy 3.16, why God's word is a reliable foundation is its source. It comes directly from God. And we all understand that, right? We all weigh the information we get based on the source we get it from, okay? I'm a teacher, right? I get information from uh, five and six-year-olds, and I get information from 15 and 16-year-olds, and I got to figure out whose information is actually reliable. Usually the best reliable information is to find the nearest adult who knows what's going on, right? But you've got to weigh, weigh the sources, and uh, clearly there's no greater source than the creator God himself uh, who's given us his word. Also we see here in 2 Timothy 3.16, it's purpose, right? God's given us his word, why? Why has he given us his word? Well, it says right here, for doctrine, for teaching us right, for proof, for correcting the wrong, for correction, for getting us back on the right path, for instruction in righteousness, staying on that right path, doing those good things. You know, in a sense here, I don't want to... Uh, I don't want to make this trivial in any way, but in sense here, we've got kind of an owner's manual, right? God's given us a life. This is how we ought to live it. Now, obviously, there's lots of things we don't read in the Bible. We don't learn about um, math, and we don't learn about much about current history and things like that. But everything important to have a right relationship with God, to have a right relationship with one another, it's all in God's Word. Recently, I got a... Um, a camera for Christmas. My, my father gave me his old camera, and uh, it's a nice camera, and it's got all sorts of settings. And the easy setting is just to leave it automatic, right? But then you put it on manual, and this button does something, and that button does something, and then there's this thing that flashed on the screen. I don't even know what it means, okay? Now, this might not sound manly, but I've got to admit, I wanted to know what these things meant, so I opened my owner's manual. I got to read that. I mean, I'm never going to guess it, I've got to read it, right? And it's a, a great help for me in learning how to operate that. Hey, if I'm going to live my life in a way pleasing to God, I want to use his owner's manual, right? His foundation that he's given. And the last reason we can trust it is because of its eternality. It's not going to change. It's not going to go away. Um, take your Bibles to uh, uh, Psalm 119, verse 89. <clears throat> Pages are stuck. All right, Psalm 119, verse 89, where it says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It is fixed. It is sure. It's not going anywhere. Another verse um, that I don't even have on the board behind me, but I thought it was uh, such an encouragement was Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. The grass withereth. The flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Everything we see on this earth, it's fading away. It'll be gone eventually. But God's word won't. It's, it's forever. It is sure. Um, why would we want to build our lives on something in this world that will be gone fast? Okay? Why would we want to, uh, what, illustration? Why would we want to buy a car that we know will break down in a year? 
right? Why we want to um, build our lives on something that we know is fleeting, has gone so fast. Why would we set our standards of right and wrong on things that change so quickly? Like, look at culture around us, right? Um, even if we looked at something like, um, i use the example of feminism, all right? Um, uh, feminism, for so long, was culturally considered to be the right thing. And we've got these very feminist schools who, women's rights and, 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 uh, and stressing that so strongly, but now, there's a huge problem. Now we've got these women's colleges who are running into the new cultural standards of these LGBT standards. And are they going to let in transsexual people or not? And if they won't, they're no longer on the right side of culture. Now they're terribly bigoted and wrong. They need to, I mean, the world standards change so quickly. Why would we build on them when we can build on the eternal word of God? So as we saw way back where we started in John chapter 7, Jesus told us right from the get-go, there's one strong foundation, right? It's his word, his teachings. Uh, we should be building our lives, our every decision on it. And I stress every decision because I think all of us would probably say our lives are built on God's word. But then if we were to have an honest moment, we would think, well, most of our lives are built on God's word. But I've got that decision I made, and that decision I made, and that reaction they really weren't. They were built on my feelings. They were built on what I'm used to. They weren't really built on God's word. Um, so we hope this is an encouragement to you. Um, build your lives, as Jesus said, as the wise man on, uh, on God's word, that you might uh, withstand whatever uh, difficult decisions, different trials uh, that you may face in life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for this night, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the confidence that we can have in it. We thank you that you have uh, given it to us as an amazing gift that you have preserved it all these years, uh, that it has been faithfully translated so that we can read it and understand it today. Uh, what an amazing gift. And uh, Lord, I pray that as we read and as we apply it to our own lives, that you would use your Holy Spirit to open our eyes to understand its truth and uh, live lives more pleasing to you as a result. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.